0: 1110 993 WBT Pete calendar of the Pete calendar Show. I have no idea how I got the gig. I think it was because the name it fit. I'm like, hey, we're hiring for the Pete calendar Show. Well, that's my name. 704 570 1110 and 1 800 WBT 1110. I got a message uh, from, I think it was Kevin here. Hang on a second. Uh, yeah, Kevin. And Kevin says, Pete. You know I love the rim shot for the jokes, but you need a preach soundbite for your words today. There you go. Or maybe like a, well, maybe something like that. I mean, I do have, I do have the, no, that doesn't work. Not for this. Uh, Thomas says, Pete, in the private sector, it's called pay for performance. I had a degree in education. But I realized a career in teaching was not for me. My degree gave me a great professional foundation. I chose a career in a field that had, an, that had open-ended opportunities, extensive training, and unlimited income potential in a Fortune 50 company. Sure, I worked lots of hours and I worked holidays, but the income and benefits were well worth it. I knew what I was getting into, and I have no regrets. As for teachers in public education, they are paid what they are worth. If they want more income, they should go into a charter school setting, teach at the private uni- or teach at the university level, or go into the private sector if they can make the cut. Of course, stop banging on the taxpayers for your inadequacies. See, here's the other thing uh, that uh, this uh, activist, this education activist named Taylor, I think, Public Ed Tay, is what her Twitter handle is, um, she. Uh, she doesn't know this because she doesn't know anything about me, but she thinks she does. That's one of the things you realize when you get into arguments with leftists is that they think they know everything about you when they know nothing about you. And uh, she's obviously assuming that I have zero experience or any kind of you know brush with the K-12 education system except for maybe attending a K-12 school, which I did. I attended K-12 GovCo school. But also... I went to Winthrop University and I took a few classes in the education department, the education college. I explored the idea of becoming a teacher at Winthrop, a teaching college. And that's when I said, I don't want to do that. So I do have a little bit of experience. And also, like I said, I've covered Charlotte Mecklenburg schools as a reporter for a decade and i've been covering state education policy as well as local education uh developments and news for 20 years so i'm not an expert but i do know some of the things of which i speak (laughs) all right let me go over here to bob hello bob welcome to the program what's going on
1: hey pete i'm on my walk and i hope it's not too noisy i just walked under i-85 it's kind of noisy in this zone but i have suggestions for both the teacher salary and for the K-12 through 12 system. Okay. Which would you like first?
0: Oh, you can surprise me.
1: Okay. Well, teachers pay. There's things that we have too much of that we don't need. We have too many classes. They're teaching children things they don't need to know. It's indoctrination, not education. In, in fact, if an idea doesn't enjoy a super majority from the parents we have no really need to teach it you know if 70 percent of the parents don't agree that this is a worthwhile subject we shouldn't teach it but them teach it at home
0: Hmm, that's an interesting idea all right what's okay. the next one
1: the next thing we don't need is so many administrators yeah they soak up a lot of money yep. and they don't teach any children the third thing is going to be the hardest to sell. we don't need the unions. The unions are keeping the teachers' pay down
0: Well they you see because as I mentioned earlier, they want all of the membership to get pay raises and uh, and, and salaries based on longevity right they, they, just however many years you manage not to get fired from a job that you like basically can't get fired from right they want they, they want your salary tied to that because therein lies their power right they they want that job security, and they want the the paychecks coming in without ever having to meet any kind of performance metric. And then you can grow your ranks based on more te- you know more teachers, more pay for the teachers, and then you get to carve out a chunk of their pay to pay their union dues. So it's a that's right. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a self perpet. And then of course they use the union activity to put. Democrats into office, who then, of course, raise teacher pay. Who then, you know, pay the unions more. Who then pay the Democrats more. Uh, who then, you know, pay the unions more. It's 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 this constant money laundering operation. That's all that is. And uh, you know, luckily in North Carolina, they have no collective bargaining power.
2: Yeah,
1: and and you know, the reason that a good teacher that makes forty thousand a year can't make sixty five is because. If he makes sixty-five, everybody else in his uh, uh, shoes has to get sixty-five as well, mm. whether they're a good teacher or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a, it, like I said, the model is broken. Um, that's why I'm a. It's why I'm an advocate for uh, vouchers. That's my, uh, you know, that that's what I mean. That's my compromise position is to say, okay, let people choose to get out of these schools. And by the way, that's actually going to help the teachers too, because then you'll have schools. That will pay great teachers. They'll know, hey, that's a really great teacher. Let's pay a lot of money to keep that person on staff.
1: That's right. So, oh. okay, since we solved that, do you want to go ahead and solve the K-12 through system as well?
0: Yeah, we might as well. I mean, it's, yeah, we, we we got like two or three minutes. Okay. Well, that it
1: won't even take that long. <laughs> uh, why don't we move from a first grade, second grade, third grade system to uh, the student goes through and gets credits? Like mm. they might in college, right? They might finish. They might finish a year, year and a half, two years early. They take, you know, they have classes that they must take. They have electives, and they must choose some electives. And uh, when they're finished and pass the test, they finish. If they're 18, 18 and a half, 19, and don't uh, acquire the uh, needed credits, they are dismissed with a. Credit total of x mm-hmm. whatever x is, so then when the uh you describe them as turds that are disrupting the class yeah yeah they're not they're not wasting the time of the teacher in this scenario they're wasting the time of that guy sitting next to him who wants to get this stuff, get it soaked in, and move on to the next level
0: right, but if the well for the for the turds, they don't care, and and the the uh, you know their disruption is it's sort of a badge of honor, right? That's the, uh, the I mean they they get street cred for uh, for not caring,
1: right? But they're not going to get cred from the people who are wanting to soak this in and move on with their life.
0: Well, so yeah, they I mean if you got most of the that. class, if you got most of the you got most of the class that doesn't care. Well.
1: Uh, but if they if they know that this can be a 12 year journey or a 10 or 10 and a half year journey they might care
0: yeah maybe i do like the idea of i do like the idea of the credit system in that it allows people to move at the pace they are comfortable with in different topics because much like college as you mentioned you know like when i when i went to college I I placed out of the Spanish requirements because I knew Spanish because I had taken five years of Spanish. Well, so I go in and and I, I, I take the test and they're like, okay, you don't need to take Spanish 101 or 102. Oh, fantastic. So I'm actually placed in a class now at a higher level because I don't need to redo those other levels, right? Same idea. If like I'm really good at history, I should be able to run as fast as I can in all of the history stuff. And if math is giving me a harder time, then i should you know i should not be pushed forward when i'm not ready in that in that particular subject so i like exactly. the idea yeah, yeah. I, well, i'm not going to i'm not going to charge you
1: anything for well this. that's pretty great, great bob for free.
0: yeah i appreciate right. it. you solved two of the world's problems in like 7 minutes that's pretty impressive that might be a record you're welcome <laughs> that's what we do here we solve the world's problems <laughs> I could take eggnog or leave it. I like it. I don't I don't have to have it. I don't keep it around. I don't even put it in the fridge during this time of year. So on that, like I'm eh, not really sure what to make of it. So I'm kind of I am. I'm kind of agnostic on it. I'm kind of an agnostic. Um Charlotte uh, Light the Nights Festival, where you can make merry memories at Truist Field now through January 6th. There's an ice skating rink, a snow tubing hill. It's like 150 feet long. It's crazy. Got the light show, live entertainment, holiday treats, Christmas trees, shopping, Santa, tons to do. Find Christmas gifts is just, oh, it's going to be fantastic. It's underway now through January 6th at Truist Stadium, Truist Field in Uptown Charlotte. Light the Nights Festival, great setup, great setup. All right, let me go back to the phones here. Is Joe? Hello, Joe. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Good. Hi. How are you? I am well. I am well. How are you?
3: Well, good. I, I, it's funny as I was waiting, I was listening to that other gentleman who was in education and then went into the business world. Uh, I'm the uh, I'm the opposite. I'm a baby boomer. I was in the corporate world before I became an educator. And in my early 30s, I I left uh, such corporations as Merrill Lynch and Xerox to become an educator. Mm. If you have two people in your family that are highly, um, you know, in the business world, uh, one's got to give. You can't raise a family when you're traveling all the time, that kind of stuff. So Mm. I left the corporate world and became an educator in 1980. Okay, so. I've been—I I spent 30 years in it, four different school systems, two colleges, even private schools. So I've been in every level of education you can be in. I came to Charlotte 1993, 94 when uh, a guy named John Murphy was recruiting people from outside. Yeah, coincided with my wife's corporate transfer here. I came here as an administrator of a junior high school, and then I went downtown and took care of budgets and stuff. Um. John Murphy was a uh, hired gun from outside, like they said, in the old Westerns. Mm-hmm. He came in to shake things up and make things work. Guess what? They didn't, they weren't serious about it. This community talks cheap, but it, you know, so we say in the army uh, whiskey costs money and, oh, we don't, we don't want it that, that's correct. That's mm-hmm. good. He ran it like a business and somebody who had, had to work like in Merrill Lynch, like Xerox, and sales, and I had to produce, or I didn't keep my job. Uh, I knew where he was coming from, mm-hmm. and almost everybody that I went through training with, because I was coming out of college administration, they were, they were, all of us were being hired from outside the system. Okay, and um, and all I heard was whining from in this system. Now I spent another fifteen years here. Didn't plan on it. But I but I finally retired from this school system. Um, I understand now because I'd worked for Eric Smith in another school system before he became superintendent here. So I kind of knew him and followed what he did because he and I were the same age. Okay. Um, it, the school system's too big, I think. It'd be broken up into two or three pieces. Uh, one's because they used the budgets wrong. I was the one that did the multi million dollar budgets in my department. Okay. I knew what was going on with the money. And we spent it wisely. But some of the other departments, oh, God, it was terrible. <laughs> and that was the 1990s. Um, I can see why Hugh Hattabaw decided to leave this Christmas after he got in, after the mess that's been there for, God knows, a decade or better. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him one bit for leaving. Why no. spend the rest of your life trying to fix something that's so broke?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the model itself, and yeah, I've heard I've heard the argument about the size breaking it up, and uh, you know, to some extent, I'm I'm fine with that. I still think the K twelve model is broken just fundamentally okay. because it's based on that Prussian model, um, and so I, I, you know, whatever, it's just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Because I come from New York, where every single city has its, or in on Long Island at least, every you know, we're in Suffolk County, uh, which is basically like two-thirds of, of the uh, Long Island, and every town has its own school district. So their answer up there to all of the K-12 problems was always consolidation. Oh, we need to consolidate with a bigger district because they would get economies of scale and that sort of thing. Instead of having these crazy budgets, it's so expensive and everything else. But then I come down here, and they're making the exact opposite argument for deconsolidation, breaking up the school system because it's too big. So, I, I, like I said, I don't... I don't think either one of those is the the panacea um, uh, or particularly helpful. But if people want to try it, you know, sure, go ahead. As long as it doesn't cost me more money, <laughs> which I'm sure it would. <laughs> well,
3: about three weeks ago, I emailed some you before the break about vouchers. Uh, vouchers is maybe the next step, but it's 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 still them keeping their money. And it, if you read in some, if you go into the voucher stuff really deep, and I've done it. It's not the panacea everybody thinks it is. It may be a good next step, but as long as the government is running everything like they're running it, and you can see what they're doing now, they're running this country into the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I'm still associated with schools. I won't say how, because uh, I once said I was a Republican. I'm not a Republican anymore. In in a faculty lounge about 10 years ago, and you would have thought I said I had Ebola virus. It was unreal. It was unreal and uh, after after everybody left from lunch, one another instructor came over and talked to me and says, "I'm a Republican too, but I won't say it around here wow and i I grew up in a different time we had i went to segregated schools and stuff, so I understand that. but when I came in in nineteen eighty in education um and I worked for Eric Smith, believe yeah. it or not, when he was assistant principal and <laughs> with him the The problems that we have now with the minority students we did not have back then. It's a family problem, yeah, it's, you know,
0: right. And to that extent, unfair, I, yeah, I think it's unfair to pin a lot of the blame on on teachers and, and schools because again, they you know these are the these are the clients showing up at the door and they can't reject them. And so if the families are sending broken students to them, I can't blame them for not being, uh, for for them, you know, breaking the kids that are already there. So, Joe, I appreciate the call. Thanks for uh, making it. Just talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. This might come as a surprise to you, but I, I actually did no prep on the teacher pay topic at all today. But you might say I've been prepping for it for 20 years, so it's, it's, it all comes out in the end. Stan has an email to Pete at the PeteCalendarshow.com. How is it that teacher salaries and benefits are determined by the government monopoly, but radio talk show host salaries are determined by how many advertisers you bring on board based on the number of people who think what you do is worth listening to? I'm just asking an honest moral question here, which probably isn't allowed in the public square anymore. So how is it that teacher salaries and benefits are determined by the government monopoly, but radio talk show hosts are determined by advertising? Well, that's just, I mean, that's the model. The model is, it's it's essentially real estate, right? Radio has a real estate model, kind of, where you have a certain amount of hours in a day and you can sell chunks of that time. And believe me there are some people in radio that would sell every single second of every single day if they could. But the trade off there is why are people tuning in? Right? People tune in because the content is compelling. And if it's just well I mean like the home shopping network is basically just commercials, people tune in to watch that, right? I don't know what the numbers are, but they people tune in to watch it. And so look, I believe Always have content is king or queen, whatever. It's not important, not important, But, but content is supreme. If you do good content, then you'll be rewarded with an audience. And then the advertisers want to let your, let audiences of any kind know about their product. So if you have an audience, then an advertiser says, Hey, I would very much like to be able to tell your people, your tribe about my product. That's it. That's the model. I do not want GovCo telling me what the rates are or what they should be Um, determined by how many advertisers you bring on board based on the number of people who think what you do is worth. Right. Well, that's the thing. And and if you have an audience and enough people want to, you know, look, I make a, I always make it very clear, right? If you like the show, you like the content and you like WBT, you like the other hosts and what everybody is doing then I urge you sincerely to patronize the businesses that advertise on the radio station. That's how we get to keep creating the content. So that's a very direct link. So uh, let me go over here to Roger. Hello, Roger. Welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Mr. Caller. How are you doing? I'm all right. What's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. I just want to comment on the, uh, the students and the, kid, the kids and the uh, teachers. Yeah, Man, when I was coming up, the teachers were older women. Now they're young, and the kids are—you can't put it all on the parents. You really can't, because the parents can raise their kids to be the be the apple of the world. Mm-hmm. And and then again, they turn, and it's not the kids. I mean, it's not the parents half the time. It's not the parents. So I hate when people say it, it starts at home. It does start at home, but when you put morals— and respect and stuff in your kids and they go out and they do the opposite what the parents get blamed for.
0: Well, so to some degree, yes. I mean, I think if you're, you're raising it. And that's what I had the story from uh, uh, Q, Queen City News um, with this father in Winston-Salem, Corey Johnson, who, uh, you know, his, his kid comes back with a bad report card or something. And he's like, oh, screw this. He's like, I'm going to go and sit in on these classes and, and make sure my kid doesn't disrespect the teachers. And when he said what he saw shocked him. Um, because the, the amount of disrespect that the kids are showing to the, uh, to the teachers. And I think that that is like, that's on the kids. Like make no mistake about it. When I say it starts at the home, I, I don't, I don't pin that all on the parents. It's the whole home, right? It's, it's the kids, it's the parents, it's the friends that hang out. It's the extended family that allows the permissive nature of the disrespect to occur. Like all of that is part of it. And you have a society that doesn't punish people for the disrespect.
4: Society this a society. Society doesn't care anymore. No do you listen to you do you hear the music that they're playing? Do you listen to the to the TikToks and stuff like that? <laughs> I'm talking about it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean it's ridiculous and they don't have no respect for anything. Anyone or anything.
0: This is why I you said mean, earlier I'm
4: not, I mean, I'm not just talking about just 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 blacks and it's
0: no. too. Yeah, yeah. This is look, this about is about Roger, this is why I said earlier I keep tying it back to this lack of purpose that people have internalized. They these especially young men, there's a lack of purpose and when you have a lack of purpose for your life it means it has no meaning and if your life has no meaning other people's lives have no meaning and you are free to disrespect them in any way shape or form. It doesn't matter. And that's exactly. that that cuts across every race and every class.
4: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad we agree. You sound like a smart guy. Yes, sir.
4: I, I, I'm not that <laughs> smart, but hey, uh, I got common
0: sense. <laughs> All right, Roger. I appreciate the call, sir. All right. All right, take it easy. Uh, well, I usually say when anybody agrees with me, they sound smart. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, this isn't rocket science. Like, this is what Roger was saying. That when growing up, this is the way it was. I'm a Gen Xer. I remember this. This is why Gen X really is the great generation. Because, like, we remember the old ways, Right. Don't start. None won't be none. That's that was the key. Like that's respect. Why? Because I would like to, you know, live tomorrow. And, you know, I have some future plans. I have a mission in life, a purpose and all of this. And when you when you rob kids of these ideas that nothing matters and, and then they, they start, they, well, they think nothing matters and there's no purpose. There's no meaning. What kind of life is that? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Oh, that education activist studying to set policy who can't defend any of her policy prescriptions. Um, So apparently she uh, was uh, not interested at all in having, uh, in wasting any more time debating any of her positions, which she can't defend, but she's still apparently on here now debating a bunch of my Twitter followers. So that's working out well for her. Um, let me go over here and get Anne on the program. Hello, Ann, Welcome to the show.
2: Hi. Thank you very much. I sure. it. Uh, I certainly agree with your caller that said society is not just the parents, just the teachers. It's Everything that the children are exposed to now, mm-hmm. what they're being told. If I asked my mother, I made way sure I was on the other side of the room, and now the the children are told immediately if your parents thank you, you're in trouble you know, they'll be in trouble. So they have no consequences, you know, that mm-hmm. we I mean it was just the norm. You have consequences. No, no one should hurt their child, but you know, there are consequences. But what I called about um one thing to be able to um determine teacher, classroom, ability, and what goes on. Let the children evaluate them at the end of the year. And I know that they, oh, all well, teachers are mean, but they're not typically, especially middle school, high school. They're pretty honest. Yeah, she's a good teacher. She helped me if I needed it. Um, she wouldn't help me with anything. said, go sit down. Don't raise your hand again. Right. So you might get that uh, the more accurate, of what goes on in the classroom. Just have an evaluation sheet at the end of the year. Sure, we right, and evaluate, this happens... We get evaluated on our jobs. <laughs> you know, whether we're manager or uh, under management. We get evaluated. Everybody gets evaluated.
0: Exactly, right. So, it's There was a comment made to me by somebody years ago uh, who uh, said they would deny... If I ever uh, um, said who it was that said this, they said they would deny it till their death. So I won't, I won't identify them, but they said uh, that in their experience, a lot of teachers are not interested in having a job like everybody else. They want a better job than everybody else. Because like you just said, if you, you, know, you, you get uh, evaluated based on your performance – and your paycheck is tied to that. And if you have somebody that's not a good, you know, uh, performance reviewer for you, you have a personality conflict, whatever, that has actual implications on you and your paycheck. And that this is one of the things that they say, well, oh, we can't possibly, you know, trust our evaluations to, you know, th- to this person or uh, this other person or whatever. There, there's always an excuse for why they can't do these types of of evaluations. And I'm with you, I think add a component for the kids it's we already have it at the college level they uh, students rate yeah. their college professors all the time
2: yeah and there were professors i did not like but they were doing a good job
0: right yeah and, and, and it, yeah absolutely and if you it, 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 by crowdsourcing it it does yes. it, it does yes. also tamp down on, you know, there being one person that's, you know, able to right. dictate exactly. the outcome. You're going to have a whole bunch of people that are all commenting, and I think you probably will get a general sense, not that that should be determinative in and of itself, right, but you get a general sense from the students as to whether or not they think this teacher is, quote, good or not.
2: Right. Yeah. I think so. I think, you know, because they're the ones that are in there. They're the ones, and I will hear comments from the student in my household, Mm -hmm. but then I'll hear her friends make or same comments about same teachers, because I'll say, oh, really, you know, who was that teacher? Just for curiosity, and it will be the same teacher, maybe not even in the same year, that has the same attitude, and, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, that's the norm for that class. Right. And sometimes that will really reflect because it's um
0: well they have the, they have I mean, the experience
2: being a teacher is a hard job absolutely you a lot of thank you very much, you know, yeah, but they also have to do it for their heart,
0: right and oh i no, I agree these are I,
2: children these are, and yes, they do know more, and they are not you know. They're so much more mature, but that's my thoughts for letting this go on. But they are still children.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you for the call, and I appreciate it.
2: Yes. All right, and take thank care. Thank you for you.
0: Oh, Thanks. thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I just, I draw a paycheck for talking with people. Well, I mean, that's just the three hours I'm here. Well, minus the breaks, because during the breaks, I don't talk to anybody. I have a strict no talking code during, <laughs> during the commercial breaks. Uh, no, most of my day is actually just research, just reading and you know, compiling the, the topics and stuff. I don't even know what I'm going to say when I start the show. I have no idea. No, I'm kidding. But um, I think this is the problem is that, or one of the problems is that everybody has an opinion about K-12 education because most of us went through it, are going through it, or have somebody in our family that is in it, went through it. Or teaches in it, works in it, right? So everybody has these opinions because everybody has some exposure. And people have different ideas about the best way to solve various problems, might be. And you cannot accommodate every single one of those opinions. Which is why choice is the better option. It's the This is the only area. And people who make these arguments about, oh, well, you know, it's too important to be uh, you know, turned over to to just you know the the private sector, the market, and and make no mistake. When people, you have to understand, the market is us. It's people. That's what the market is. The market is people. It is all of our choices and how we spend our money and our time, every single second of every single day, everywhere it's occurring. I mean, it's unfathomable the amount of choices that are made every single second. So. That's the, what the market is. And so when you when you say, oh, education is just too important. We can't possibly do it any differently than we've been doing it for the last 100 years. Well, first off, yes, prior to 100 years, there was, we were doing it different ways. But also, what about food? Food's a voucher system, is it not? Yeah, if you need assistance for, for food, then you get a voucher and you go someplace and you use that in order to get some food but generally no it's the private market right it's everybody gets to go to the store and buy their own food you can choose to spend your money but nobody's nobody's like setting up food stores run by the government and say you have to come here to buy your food no one's doing that well yes except alcohol in north carolina that's true okay but that's not food really all right brett winterbull is up next stay tuned I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.